Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kristen Gutu, and this is Technically Biased, the podcast that discusses bias in tech. Today, June 14th, is National Flag Day here in America. So this week's episode will be focusing on different holidays celebrated throughout this week, but also the flags of those corresponding countries and the history behind the flag, behind the holiday, and a little perspective to help us understand how our perspectives are shaped, how biases are influenced, and how eventually things are codified. So, in honor of Flag Day, to my fellow Americans, I think it's very important we brush up on some of the history So to start with a hopefully easy pop quiz question, to all my American listeners, do you know who sewed the American flag? If you said Betsy Ross, you are correct. If, however, like my fifth grade classmate on our history pop quiz, you said Betty White, then you are wrong. But alas, both wonderful women but only the first is part of the celebrations and fun today. So Flag Day in America dates back to this day in 1777 when the flag was adopted by the Continental Congress. And though I suspect you all to know that the flag has 50 stars and 13 stripes, the 13 stripes representing the original 13 colonies, and the 50 stars representing our current 50 states, I further suspect that few of you will know that Liberia's flag looks much like that of America's. Rather than 13 stripes, however, they only have 11, symbolizing the 11 men who signed the Liberian Declaration of Independence in the 1800s. And instead of 50 stars, they only have one, the white star representing the first independent republic in Africa. Everything else, the red and white and the blue, do replicate that of America's flag. Now, for those of you who do not know, Liberia was partially founded by African-American slaves. Throughout the first few decades of the 1800s, abolitionists and freed slaves bought land on the West African coast that they then later settled and named Liberia. Whoa. Knowing history provides context, doesn't it? Now, continuing in the same vein of history and vexillology, which is the study of flags, we will be moving on to a new holiday. But before I disclose which one it is, We have pop quiz question number two, which is that one flag in America, one state flag, has the Union Jack on it. Which of the 50 states represents Britain's flag on their own? If you said Hawaii, you are correct. And on June 11th, Hawaii celebrated, and I'm so sorry if I'm saying this wrong, but King Kamehameha Day. So King Kamehameha I, also known as 
Kamehameha the Great is one of Hawaii's most prominent figures. Crazy news, isn't it, as an American? I've never heard of him. I blame our education system, but I guess this is not the time and place to do that. So we will return to the one and only, the King Kamehameha. Totally said that wrong. But rumor has it, he was born in 1758, the same year that Halley's Comet passed over the island state. And this is an interesting note that his origin, his legend story, suggests that he was bound for greatness from the beginning. And bound for greatness he was. King Kamehameha was the first monarch to unify the Hawaiian Islands and was able to do so through the use of advanced European military weapons and technology. His leadership and diplomacy were instrumental in maintaining peace and stability among the islands. And this is where the super interesting flag fact comes in. Now, to quote another favorite book and another favorite author, which I have not done so yet, is to reference A Flag Worth Dying For, The Power and Politics of National Symbols by Tim Marshall, a beautiful British journalist who writes incredibly. And so to quote his book and find my place, he references that the British emblem persists in the Hawaiian flag despite an unfortunate misunderstanding in 1842 by one Lord George Paulette. He was a British Navy commander with a large degree of initiative and confidence in his abilities and had unilaterally taken control of Hawaii on behalf of the British crown even as the crown was preparing to acknowledge that Hawaii was not subordinate to the United Kingdom." End quote. Marshall goes on saying, that though Hawaii was under the British flag for five months, quote, when Paulette's superior Rear Admiral Richard Thomas showed up, he acknowledged the restoration of Hawaiian sovereignty, end quote. And all else went back to how it was. Accidental colonialism happens to the best of us, right? So this episode is a little different in the fact that it doesn't focus on text influence so specifically as it is focusing on history and perspective but of course this is important because it is the perspective of those who are quote-unquote superior that is usually the perspective we get right so hawaii's flag to this day has the union jack on it one of the only not just one of but the only american state to have the union jack on it and that is so interesting because it was never under British rule, but yet history still influenced it. And we will see this in technology in the same vein when we see that whether or not something happens, the data might still represent something else. So we need to learn how to read between the lines and we need to understand context and we really just need to educate ourselves. So, on to the next holiday. Monday, June 12th, was Philippines Independence Day. Woo! I love the theme of vexillology because here again we see another origin story for the flag. So, June 12th is 
Philippines Independence Day, which commemorates their independence from Spanish colonial rule, which lasted more than 300 years. And the movement for independence really gained traction in the latter half of the 19th century. It was in 1898 that their national flag was first displayed, and it was to honor their victory against the Spaniards in the Battle of Alapan, fought on May 28, 1898. General Emilio Aguinaldo was a prominent Filipino revolutionary leader, and he led his country to his first military victory, which also helped the country claim independence. And it is Aguinaldo himself who is apparently the mastermind behind the flag's design, which is said to symbolize both the country's independence and sovereignty. Now, June 12th also celebrated Russia Day, which commemorates the adoption of the Declaration of State Sovereignty of the Russian Federation on June 12th, 1990. This declaration marked a significant milestone in Russia's history as it asserted the country's political independence and paved the way for the establishment of the Russian Federation. The day is meant to be celebrated as an opportunity for Russia to reflect on their national identity, history, and progress since the declaration. I'm assuming they had a lot to reflect on this year, but without getting more into that, I will transition back to flags. And Russia's flag story is such a fun one, because why come up with something yourself when you can just steal it from somebody else, right? And that's what they did with the Netherlands. So to once again quote Tim Marshall, the white, blue, red horizontal stripes are popularly thought to have been introduced by Peter the Great who traveled widely in Europe in the late 1600s and allegedly was taken by the Dutch tricolor, which he used as the template for the national flag. The white, blue, red flew unchallenged until the Bolsheviks began flying the red flag in 1917, end quote. Today, Russia's flag is once again the original white-blue-red flag, which was inspired by the Duchess flag, which is red-white-blue. You know, it's super different now. But again, to quote Marshall, the Dutch flag used to be orange, white, and blue, representing the Protestant Prince William of Orange, also known as William the Taciturn. The tricolor became an early symbol of independence from Spain. The royal colors were the natural choice for the flag, but by the mid-17th century, the orange had changed to red as the orange dye faded quickly and was not easily spotted out at sea. So the Dutch royal family adopted red, white, and blue, but on right royal occasions, the tricolor is flown with an orange pennant fixed to the top." End quote. So I love this idea that the Dutch originally had an orange, white, and blue flag, but because of the sun fading their flag out at sea, they had to adapt to their current flag now, right? Modern problems require modern solutions, and the modern solution was a deeper dive. Now, moving on to a holiday that may or may not be celebrated in its home country is the Day of Valdmar in Denmark. The Day of Valdmar refers to the commemoration of King Valdmar the Great, also known as Valdmar I, 
who is a significant historical figure in Denmark. The Danish king is said to have reigned from 1154 to 1182 and is considered one of the country's most influential medieval kings since he played a crucial role in consolidating and expanding Danish territory. Valdemar the Great is known for his military successes, political reforms, and efforts to strengthen Denmark's central authority. During his reign, he expanded the Danish kingdom through military campaigns, including the conquest of territories such as Rügen, parts of northern Germany, and southern Sweden. His rule marks a period of economic prosperity and cultural development in Denmark. Now, truth be told, we went into the deep dive of knowing the behind the scenes of the day of Valdemar, simply so I can get to Valdemar II, which is not celebrated during the day of Valdemar, but it was King Valdemar II who we have to thank for the world's oldest national flag. To quote Marshall, the Danish flag is known as the Danbrog and is considered to be the world's oldest national flag having been the recognized symbol of the country since the early 1200s, even if officially it is dated much later. There is a legend known to all Danes that the origins of the flag date to a battle against the pagan Estonians in 1219, end quote. So 1219 is roughly four decades after Valdemar I's reign ended, and now we have King Valdemar II, who, quote, was having a difficult time of it. So the bishops accompanying the troops did some praying, and on cue, God threw down from the sky the Danbrog. Valdemar caught it before it touched the ground, and inspired by the miracle, the Danish army went on to achieve a famous victory, end quote. And I truly do love this origin story because it's so fun and silly to me to imagine God just throwing down a flag like here you go here's the Donbrog but we need to remember that this fun tale still erases a piece of information it still erases invaluable data that we won't actually know and that's fine but we don't know how different history could have been had the origin story been more factual Moving on, Friday, June 16th, commemorates one of this week's tougher holidays, which is Youth Day, observed in South Africa. Youth Day commemorates the Soweto Uprising of 1976, which was a pivotal event in the struggle against apartheid. During the uprising, thousands of black students in Soweto, a township near Johannesburg, took to the streets to protest against the inferior quality of education and the mandatory use of the Afrikaans language in schools, which was seen as an oppressive symbol of the apartheid regime. The students were met with brutal force from the police, leading to clashes and tragic loss of life. The day serves as a reminder of the importance of improving education, child protection, and overall well-being for children across Africa. It highlights the need to address issues such as child labor, child marriage, poverty, violence, and lack of access to education and health care. The Soweto uprising sparked a nationwide uprising against apartheid and became a turning point in the anti-apartheid struggle. It is important to note that it was the actions of the youth and their bravery in Soweto which brought international attention to the injustices of the apartheid system 
and which inspired further resistance in the apartheid. Youth Day in South Africa is a day to honor and remember the students who lost their lives, as well as all young people who fought against the apartheid system. More than that, it serves as a reminder of the power and the importance of youth activism and the role children, teenagers, young adults have in the shaping of the future and of their history. Though it would take another 18 years until South Africa saw a new flag design, it was in part inspired by the Soweto Uprising of 1976. South Africa's current flag at that time was based on the Dutch flag, which represented colonialism. So even though it took almost two decades, in 1994, South Africa's new president, Nelson Mandela, finally took office, left his cell of 27 years, and he and Fred Brownell, the designer of South Africa's new flag, took to creating a new South African flag. Again, to quote my man Tim Marshall, Fred Brownell was acutely aware of the emotional aspect when he sat down and thought long and hard when asked to design the flag for a post-apartheid South Africa, a country that had been racked with conflict, struggling to adjust to an entirely new status quo, and with a population that was still extremely divided and wary of one another. They were in desperate need of a symbol of unity, and here was a moment in history, a moment made up of a thousand collective decisions, adding up to the future of a nation, to life and death." End quote. And this is what makes South Africa's flag so beautiful. Now, for Tim Marshall's book, A Flag Worth Dying For, Marshall specifically interviewed Fred Brownell as to get a better understanding of the thought process while he designed the flag. And regarding not only the design itself, but the colors used, Fred Brownell is quoted as saying that the red, gold, and green were existing political realities, and I thought if I put all these together in the design, there would be a convergence. A convergence of color, of people, of languages. End quote. Marshall continues to summarize Fred's thought process by mentioning that none of the colors used are necessarily symbolic of anything, but that together they are a synopsis of the country's flag history, and that the design, particularly the Y shape, reflected the convergence of the past and the present and all the different peoples. And so it's important to know history and different cultures, holidays, and what they commemorate and what they value, because it shows how layered everything is, not only regarding international conflict, but internal conflict and what brings us together and what divides us. And for the last holiday we will be celebrating this week is Iceland's Independence Day on June 17th. Iceland's Independence Day commemorates their independence from Danish rule, which was achieved on June 17, 1944. On this day, Iceland held a national referendum where a majority of its citizens voted in favor of severing ties with Denmark and establishing Iceland as an independent republic. This marked a significant milestone in their history and set the foundation for the country's modern sovereignty. Now, prior to their independence, Iceland was under Danish rule as a part of the Kingdom of Denmark. However, during World War II, Denmark was occupied by Germany and it was this shift in historical events 
that allowed Iceland the opportunity to assert its independence, hold the referendum, and finally gain the independence they so desired. And so if you look at the Icelandic flag, it looks a lot like the Danish flag, a lot like the Norwegian flag, and quite frankly, like any of the Scandinavian flags with their Scandinavian crosses. But this should be of no surprise as the Scandinavian countries all reigned over one another at different points. First, Norway reigned over Iceland and then Denmark for a collective time frame of 1380 to 1944. So it is no surprise that their influence played a key role in the design of Iceland's flag. Now, to tie up all these different holidays I mentioned, you might be asking yourself, what the hell is the point of discussing this on a podcast that is supposed to analyze bias in tech? And the importance is because we need to analyze bias within ourselves before we understand how we codify those biases. So this episode was still very important and you will see my continuation of discussions regarding topics that might seem a little random, but I promise you I will always tie it back whether in that episode or another. And so I thank you all for listening to another episode of Technically Biased and I hope to catch you all next week. Have a lovely day. Thank you.